Hello, everybody. Welcome to Talking Some Sens, Season One, Episode One, the first show. I'm Jake from Grand Lake. Oh, I'm Jake, also known as Grand Lake Yogs. I write for Overtime Heroics, and uh, my Twitter is Grand Lake Yogs or at Some Sens. Today on the show, I have a guest, a very, very special guest, a good friend of mine, Matthew Jacobson. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, oh yeah, I'm the the YouTuber formerly known as the AZ Sports Guy. Do you have any other projects on the go right now you want to mention? Uh, I mean, I, I do some writing for for the Puck Authority, but that's really about it going on, that and the, and the YouTube channel. Weren't you with uh, Ruby ISS for a little while, too? I was. I was their, their video producer and whatnot, and then I, I just kind of needed to step away. They're, they're great people. Oh, great yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyways, let's get right into it. So today I'll be talking about some sense news, sense drama, because we all know there's always sense drama. I'll talk a little bit more, more about Ronnie NHL, some stats, standings, and some other things. Like I'll be um, my, and then there's the if I were in charge segment, and finally we will talk about Arizona Arizona Coyotes, and that was that is primarily why Matthew was here today. So let's get all started, and with the sense update. Um, the Senators might finally be for sale. Uh, as some of you may know or may not know, there was a rumor that Robert Kraft, uh, NFL owner, I forget what team he owns. Who does he own again? I think it's the New England Patriots. Wasn't he the one that had that controversy in the offseason about the, the, the sex acts and the, and the massage parlors or whatever that was? Maybe. I'm not too sure. I'm not, I'm not too familiar about him. But apparently he's, uh, he's another not-so-famous uh, or infamous um, um, sports franchise owner in, in the world. And uh, apparently he was going to buy the Senators, but that turned out to be just another hoax, just a hoax. And uh, the girl, I think it's Chris, I think her name was Christina, Christina Kraft or whatever her name was, um, was not related to Robert as a lot of people thought they were. They, everybody thought that she was his grandson or whatever. And uh, so what happened there was um, she posted on her uh, Snapchat uh, while she was in the Canadian Tower Center and with three emojis, I think it was a money emoji, a handshaking emoji, and um, like um, hush hush emoji, I guess you would call it. But yeah, anyways, so, and I can I just like, can I just take one second to just comment on it, what a time to be alive that the ownership of a sports franchise is now up for grabs via emojis and like Snapchat. Yeah. So basically, um, it was basically inferred that the other senators are, yes, they are for sale, but not openly. So basically, the best way to describe that is when you're selling your house, but you're not putting a for sale sign. You're basically just well, you're not on the open market. You just have one or two buyers in mind or whatever and negotiating with them. Exactly. Like you're listing the offers. So that's basically all there is for that. Next, um, well, really, now now that I mention it, I'm going to really talk about who I who, my personal prediction, who will buy the Senators is. In my dreams, what I want to happen is I want Chris Phillips, Chris Neal, um, Daniel Offerton, and a couple other guys to join in together to buy the Otter Senators off Eugene Melnick. But we all know that's not going to happen. That's a match. Like, that's a that's a dream team, if you will, for me. But realistically, what I, what I personally think will happen is – Couple, maybe it was last year or the year before. It was in. A, it was a. It was rumored that Guillaume Bart. Um, he's he's known for Cirque du Soleil, and uh, apparently he's been wanting to buy the Senators for a little while now. So I hope that's gonna happen. 
You want my personal prediction because it Go seems ahead. like the hockey gods hate Senators fans. Donald Trump's probably going to buy them. Go ahead. Oh, Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> because remember, Senators fans can never just have a day to just be happy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Crazier things have happened. Like that guy who owned the New York Islanders for four months. Wait, when did that happen? I, it's, at some point in the 90s, I think it was the owner of the Islanders sold sold his team to some other guy who said his net worth was $120 million or something like that. And turns out he only had a couple million. So he was never able to pay up. So he owned the team for four years before having to, before losing to bankruptcy, basically. I cannot remember the name of the, of the, of the, of the guy, but he's, he even said himself, my proudest, proudest moment in my life was basically owning the Islanders for four months. You can never take that away from him, essentially. I mean, you can't take that away from him, but I, I'm going to go ahead and fact check that and tweet <laughs> it at you. Uh, I'm joking for those of you, by the way, so I can get my Twitter handle on that. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I, just, I know what happened. I, I, I read about it a little while ago. I don't remember who exactly it was, though. But, yeah. All right, bud. Pardon me? I'm like, all right, bud. Yeah. Anyways, next off is the Vladislav Nevesnikov trade. Did you hear about that one? Did not. I have not. No? Okay. So what happened was, is, I forget what day of the week, but it was, I think it was just after the second. So after the New York New York game, ironically, Mestikov played for the New York Rangers. The Otter Senators traded Nick Ebert, just a 25-year-old AHL defenseman, I guess, and a fourth-round pick in 2021 for Vladislav Nevesnikov. And I think that is a wicked good trade, considering that Nevesnikov has been rumored to be in trades for a while now, and I'm pretty sure he requested a trade, and it finally happened. It's funny it happened in game just after, just after game between both teams, but it happened, and he's wearing number 90 for centers this year. And um, I'm gonna talk more uh, talk more about where I think he should be in the lineup a little later. But essentially, he is he is a capable top six winger, as he was in Tampa, and he was that essentially in New York for a little bit before I think he got injured or something like that. My first thought was when you said he's wearing number ninety, is wasn't that Spezza's number? I was like, wait, no. I think Spezza was nineteen in Ottawa. And he was a ninety in Dallas. Yeah, exactly. And back to nineteen in Toronto. Oh, have they, they even played him yet? The, the home opener they sat in, which was kind of BS, because he, he took a, like a hardcore discount to go back. Oh, yeah. Like, he's making $700,000 in the NHL, and I think he could still make at least a million, one, one to $2 million easily. I was going to say at least two or three. While he's not, you know, Ottawa Senators, but so he's still a talented guy. He still has oh, at yeah. least a season or two in the back. Oh, yeah. He's one of the best face-off guys in the NHL. And while I talk about that, I find it a little funny. Um, a little while ago, Mitch Murner talked about he wanted to get better at faceoffs in case he had to go to take faceoffs. So he told, so he told the team, he told the media that he was going to learn faceoffs from Spezza. And it was really funny because next team practice, he spent uh, probably like half an hour just working with Spezza with faceoffs. Really? So it looks like Mitch Marner is trying to be worth his contract. Yeah. I can respect that. I will respect that. And I really respect Mitch Marner, you have one plus point with me right yeah. now. And Jason Spetz is really doing his job as a veteran presence in the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's like, it's, I think that he's going to probably become a, a coach at some point or a team trainer or whatever, wherever he does decide after he retires. I think he's going to continue staying 
in the hockey world. I think if the Senators can get rid of Eugene Melnick and trade and uh, and sell this team. Spezza might come back. Yeah. It wasn't that the reason that Alfredson also didn't retire in a Sens jersey. What happened was because- <laughs> you know, Alfredson in the last year of his of his of his uh, career, he knew he was never going to win the cup with Ottawa. So what he did is he requested a trade, and if I remember correctly, they didn't trade him. They tried trading him, but he eventually just signed in Detroit during free agency or something like that. <laughs> and he announced his retirement at the end of the year. But what he did was is he didn't retire. So he could sign a one-day contract in Ottawa. So he skated in, in um he skated in um um warm-ups and whatever. He didn't play the game, but he was a senator. Uh, he retired as an Ottawa senator, just like how Cam Ward is retiring as a Carolina Hur- retired as a Carolina Hurricane. He signed a one-day. Is it for Cam Ward to get to hit the ice? He just like walked in the office and signed a one-day contract and shook some heads. Oh yeah. But yeah, I get it. Nice. So it's good to see. Especially when guys spend like ninety eight percent of their career somewhere, they get to retire there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, I respect that. I like to see Jason Spets to do that, but like I don't think he will because I'm pretty sure he left Ottawa on not the best terms with Melnick. But hey, who well, leaves Ottawa with Melnick? You know. Yeah, I mean, I but on top of that, I remember and this is just from my personal recollection. You can correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but it wouldn't. Because Ottawa had some pretty decent teams, and also I think Spencer was on the team that went to the Cup final. Yep. Or no, one game away from the Cup final. No, but uh, no, he he was he left the team in like 2013 or something like no 2014, 2014 2015 is when he left the team to go to Dallas. But he was on the team that that went in the Stanley Cup finals against Anaheim. Uh, I I remember that uh, a lot of it seemed like a lot of the media was trying to blame him for most of Ottawa's shortcomings when it wasn't his fault. Yeah, and I think that wasn't the reason why he wanted to leave. Is like he just got tired of dealing with it. Yeah. See, the thing with with Spezza was when he was in Ottawa, he's more of an e- if I remember correctly, he's more of an egotistical player. So he's kind of like Phil Kessel, where he just well, all he wanted to do was play hockey. He didn't mm-hmm. want to talk to the media necessarily. He didn't want to be as much of a leader as he was. He just wanted to play hockey. So like Alex Galchenyuk just wants to play hockey left eleven. Yeah, essentially, or Phil Castle, or Phil Castle, Phil, Phil, Phil. Yeah. And um, yeah. Next thing is uh, the Senators on opening night they announced that they will be retiring number four Chris Phillips's number on February eighteenth, twenty nineteen. I know bef- bef- just before we started recording, you didn't know about this, so I just filled you on quickly. Chris Phillips leads the Ottawa Senators in games played of 1,179 games, one ahead of Daniel Offerson, 1,178. He has, uh, Chris Phillips had 71 goals in his career, all of Ottawa, which ranks for 20, 23rd amongst all Ottawa Senators players in hist- history. And with 217 assists in the auto uniform, he's ranked as seventh in all-time his assists. And with his 288 points, he is the 12th highest point scorer in auto history. That really resonates with me. That just goes to show Ottawa. Ottawa's had good teams, but Ottawa's never had the biggest amount of superstars. Sure, we've had Marion Hossa, Jason Spezza, Alexi Ashen, Daniel Alfredson, Eric Carlson. 
But other than that, oh, and Danny Heatley, a couple other names like that. But other than that, we've never, we've, we've always been basically a depth oriented team. If 288 points will make you just shy of top 10 points in a center's uniform, that shows something. Right? I'm assuming Matt had some technical difficulties, so I'll just keep talking. So, in my opinion, I think that this... It's kind of a mixed feeling towards me. Yes, I, I love that they're showing respects to Chris Phillips. I love that like, he's their franchise leader in games played, and he could have probably moved on to be captain if he wanted to or if Daniel Robertson wasn't in a team for so long or whatever. I think he would have been a good captain. And he was he was always a great player for Ottawa. He wasn't necessarily fresh flashy some guys, as I mentioned, not even three hundred career points, but as a defenseman, still pretty good. He was a stay at home defenseman. That's what he was, and he was a good one at that. He was easily a, a high end top four defenseman, in my opinion. Never necess- not necessarily an elite top two guy, but he was always like a high end top four. And um that's it on that. And um I think it's cool that they're retiring it but like at the same time if he played if he would have done this on any other team like for example Tampa Bay Lightning for example that's not retire review just because he did what he did in Ottawa it's tired it's number retire review but anywhere else not necessarily and um while I make the liaison to next point I'll talk about um some stats the games played and while it's researching stats I noticed that Thomas Jabot is fifth in the NHL right now in time on ice. He's top five in time on ice with 25 minutes and 58 seconds on average per night so far. I know it is only a third game of the season, but that just goes to show how much Thomas Jabot is being relied on. And another interesting fact is that Nikita Zaitsev is, I think is 21st in ice time with 20, 4 minutes and 30 seconds average per night, which it means Ottawa's top pair is essentially Thomas Chabot and Zaitsev, which I like. And I like that Ottawa's really relying on the best defenseman on the team there. It just goes to show that Ottawa, that DJ Smith trusts Chabot, which I like a lot. And yeah. Is your mic working now? Yeah, it's working. Okay, yeah. So did you uh, hear all what I just mentioned? I heard a good amount of it. I heard Chabot is Essentially playing half of a, of a hockey game every night. Basically. I mean, it, 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 if he's playing up to the level and, he, and he's comfortable with doing that, that, that's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But, like, I'm, it, my point is I love how the coach is trusting him that much. I mean, it's better than, than like, we're a team go out there. Yeah. Pierre Dorian, my goodness. But yeah, it's like, it's actually fun fact. Who do you think is number one in uh, ice time at, in the NHL right now? Uh, can you at least give me a hint on position? Defense. Defense, defense. I don't know why I want to say Nate Schmidt, because Vegas relies on him heavily. I don't think he's even in the top 30. Fuck. Oh, sorry. It's Damn. Okay. How about? Yeah. But yeah. Number one is Brent Burns with just over 26 minutes. And like a second less on average is Eric Carlson. EK65, your dude. Yeah, I love Eric Carlson. 
who's been playing better so far this season to start than I'd say most of last season. Pardon me? Are, are bets still active, bud? Yeah, it is. Yep. So for people who missed that bet here, let me quick, quickly get it. The bet was on my Twitter. The bet, it's, it's my pinned tweet on my personal Twitter. And the tweet and, and the bet is um, if Eric Carlson does not get nominated at, uh, for the Norris Trophy this year, um, if 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 no, if he does get nominated, Matthew must lick the ground and send a video of me. It. I don't remember agreeing to those terms, <laughs> dude. Look, look on my tweet. And if he does not, <laughs> if he doesn't live up to his contract or gets hurt, or doesn't doesn't get nominated or whatever, I have to make a video talking about how the AZ Sports guys guy is ridiculously smart and knows more about hockey. Yeah, I'm reading. I'm reading. So what I said, once once Eric Carlson wins Norris next year or gets nominated for it, I want a video of you licking the ground. I'll accept that as your pen, as your apology. I must have been very confident that that he's not going to live up to that contract. <laughs> do you still feel the same or do you feel any different? Um, he's off to a much better start this year than I think he played pretty much all of last year. No, and he only played like 50 games sport. last year. The only thing is that, uh, you know, especially early on in seasons, guys that are injury prone can still play fantastic and still get injured. So I'm, I, I, I'm still not exactly confident he's going to end up like keeping it up or being able to stay on the ice, personally. But, like, I think that Eric Carlson is even injured. I think he's better than 90% of the NHL. As he's, he's just that, he's that good of a skater. He's that powerful of a playmaker. Like, as it, he's literally a, the equivalent of a quarterback, basically. He starts to play. He is... He dominates whenever he's on the ice. Of course, he doesn't backskate, but, like, he doesn't need to backskate. The best way to describe Eric Carlson's defensive game is easily. he How he defends is he doesn't let the other team get the puck. That's always the best defense is not letting him letting him possess it. As far as quarterbacks go, he's better than Keith Yandel. I can say that with confidence. Oh, yeah. And, like, Keith Yandel is, is a really, in my opinion, is a really good – is a really good – Offensive defenseman to come like they play a similar in my opinion they play a similar game but Eric Carlson is just on another level. My problem with with Keith Yandel on a fundamental level is after watching him for so many years when I was a season ticket holder is Keith Yandel is a terrible defenseman. He'll every game he'll have one or two good defensive plays, but I'd much rather have him be a left wing because then you get to use that offensive capabilities. You can still use him as the quarterback on your power play because he can still play the same right side defensive spot yeah, and get you the same amount of points but without having to rely upon him for defense because he's just not a defenseman or at least Eric Carlson is an elite level defender. Yeah, like Eric Carlson, his defensive game will not be as good as a guy like Mark Edward Vlasic or Ryan Suter even Mark Mathot. But the beauty of being Pardon me? Or is it being a Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. The point is, is he's not elite defensive wise, but he he holds his own, and that's all really that you need, really. Pretty much with what he he produces, yeah. yeah. 
Exactly. In like 53 games it was last year, he had 45 points. Injured. Pardon me? Which is still good? Yeah, it's still wicked good. I gotta find a calculator. Give me a second. I don't have a calculator. I'll do that later. But like, <laughs> off the top of my head, he was basically on pace for 60 to 70, 70 points. He would have played the entire year healthy. It's pretty astonishing. And as I was recording this, I just got a notification that Capo Caco just got his first NHL goal. Really? I would have thought he would have scored it already. No. Hughes. Congratulations, Capo Caco. Pardon me? Congratulations, Capo Caco. Yeah. Hughes and, and Hughes and Caco haven't necessarily had the most dominating first couple of games in their career yet. Like it's it's they're rookies. Like it's I expected it. Oh yeah. Yeah. But like they're they're just it's just confidence really. They're good they're gonna they're gonna start producing. It's just a matter of finding their game. I don't agree with like the hockey guy all the time. But I think the best thing when it comes to like Jack Hughes is that people are just expecting him to produce too early. Yeah, and he's playing fine. It's just he has to get used to the NHL game. But exactly, he's not looking to, he's not holding anyone back. He's just playing fine. Yeah, he's playing fine. He's not necessarily getting we're showing he's proving fine, but he is proving playing fine. <laughs> and like once he once once both those guys get, I'll say comfortable, they're gonna they're gonna start producing. It's just a matter yeah, of when. And like. Just a quick factor that I have on the top of my head right now, Joe Thornton. How many points did you do you think he had in his in his in his, in his um, rookie year? I think Joe Thornton had like less than twenty. He was not lighting it up. He had three his points year. in his rookie year. Yeah, what? In a, in a basically a full year, I think it was. He had three points in his rookie year. Yeah, he did not light the league up, and then look what happened. Now he's, he's like as one of, if not the greatest playmakers of all time. Ooh, I don't know if I'd say I don't know if I'd say one of the greatest playmakers of all time, but he's definitely a a a, a really good player that's still playing. Yeah, he's a he's a wicked playmaker. And like last year, people are saying he's starting to decline. Yes, but the dude still scored fifty points last year, and he's like four. When you're forties and you're still producing more than Yarmir Yager, I think you're fine. Yeah, that kind of offends me because I'm a big Yager fan. I know that's why I threw it out there. I know he did. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I love Yogs. Yogs is great. He should he should still be in the NHL. I would take him on Arizona. I'm not gonna lie. Oh yeah, same. I would even take him on Ottawa. Like in the lineup, I'll, I'll talk about it later. But like in a good rebuild, yes, you need. At the same time, you need the old guys to mentor young guys. I think that Yara would be amazing on Ottawa, even if just on the fourth line, replacing a guy like Bobby Ryan or even Scott Sabrin. But that's a story for another, for next in a couple segments. But yeah, anyways, yeah. So let's talk about the you games. Sends lineup for like five minutes and eat and eat some eat some time up so we can hear your beautiful voice. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the Sens so far have been miserable. In three games this year, they have they have lost all three games and. If I'm looking at my standings, only three teams in the NHL have not won a game yet. Do you want to try to guess those teams? Okay, I'm guessing his mic stopped working. Anyways, the three teams who have not won a game this year so far. Obviously, the Ottawa Senators. Then there's the Chicago Blackhawks and Minnesota. 
Blackhawks, yeah. Chicago Blackhawks and Minnesota, Minnesota Wild. Whatever you just said. Okay. I basically just sold, told them that the only three teams in the NHL have not won a game yet, Ottawa, Chicago, and Minnesota. Wait, Chicago hasn't won a game yet? Nope. <laughs> yeah. Well, damn. Yeah. And people are already calling for the head of Jeremy Colton, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Three games? Are you kidding me? Two games. Two games? <laughs> what? Yeah. I'll talk about the standings in another segment. But yeah, anyways, the Senators have won I've won 0 3 and 0. And the first game against Toronto Maple Leafs, they lost 5 3. Against New York, they won they lost 4 1. And against St. Louis last night, they lost not last night. Whenever they whenever they played St. Louis, it was 6 4. Why don't you tell the people who scored the first goal of the 2019-2020 season? Brady Kachuk. There you go, bud. 30, 30 seconds into the game. Not not just the first goal as an Ottawa Senator this year. The first goal in the NHL. So the Ottawa Senators will forever have that. So there you go. Yeah. And it's funny because Brady Kachuk also leads the NHL, not the NHL, but the Ottawa Senators in goals with two. Pajot and Connor Brown lead in assists with two. And in points, um, Brady Kachuk, Bobby Ryan, and Scott Sabrin all have two points for the Ottawa Senators. I'm going to tell you right now, uh, my favorite player on the Coyotes is tied with Brady Kachuk in terms of goals, so make of that what you will. So who? Connor Garland, after his two-goal performance Thursday night, which I was at, and I was freaking out and screaming, and it was amazing. Yeah. Connor Garland is a story on and a half. Last year, he got two goals, and he's like – First game, one by blocking a shot off his head, and the other one. What was the other one? Well, I, I think it was it was a game in Canada. I don't remember if it was against Edmonton or Calgary, and he had been up for a, it was a couple of weeks or so. He wasn't in, in the league very long uh, <laughs> after all the injuries. And the first one, he blocked right off his damn head, and then he came back into the game and scored another goal later on. And none of them he shot. They were both re, re, reflex off his head. No, the second one I think he just refl- I think he just reflects off his stick because no. he's a he's a really gritty like like player for like you would think he would play like Martin Saint Louis, really small, really fast, more finesse. Yeah. But no, this dude gets into the corners and whatnot and he'll get in front of the net for some reason. Yeah. But no, I remember that game. None of them none of them were off his stick. One of off his one was off his head for sure. And the other one maybe could have been off his head or even off his skate like it bounced off his skate and went right in or something like that. But I just say went off his penis and move on. Not very PG, but okay. That was very PG. That's a scientific term. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. Now let's talk more about the NHL. But all the stats that I'm throwing to you guys, by the way, even the Otterson ones, were before the games, before the October 12th games, because we're recording on October 12th to release on October 13th. So I'll talk about the standings right now. On my board, I have standings for every team in the NHL. And I'll just start off with the Atlantic Division. Buffalo leads the Atlantic, four wins, zero losses, one overtime loss, nine points. Detroit is second in the Atlantic, three one and zero, oh, six points. Boston three one and zero, oh, six points. Tampa two one and one, five points. Toronto two two and one, five points. Montreal one one and two, 
four points. Florida, one, two, and one, three points. Ottawa, zero, three, zero. Any uh, comments on Atlantic? Uh, when did Buffalo get good again? Because they were good for a stretch last year. And then and then not. I, I forgot what happened there. And then wasn't the hockey guy talking about that people are already angry in Tampa because they've lost those couple of games? Yeah, I just watched that video, actually. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, then, but I like it's my comment is it's it's nice it's nice to see that some teams are starting off good but like it's only four like the team that's played the most games in the NHL right now has played five games and like it's only five basically five games in their season you can't really Carolina's gonna win the cup because they haven't lost a game yet exactly it's too early to say exactly no offense to Carolina fans but like exactly I'm a Carolina fan I love my jerks you know I've had a soft spot for them for years and last year I fully embraced them but like yeah it's it would be the same thing as just saying that just way too early oh yeah it's way too early to take anything like I'm sorry but I don't think that Florida is gonna finish seventh in the Atlantic yeah I I think Florida will get it together I don't know what's going on right now I think I think most of the following I think it's defense and then of course Bob Rossi is not playing very well and no offense to any Detroit fans, but I'm sorry, but Detroit is not finishing second in the Atlantic this year. I don't know why they're off to such a hot start. I mean, I know they have talent. They've been rebuilding for a while. I'm yeah. glad they finally embraced the rebuilds. So they can actually, you know, I, I love seeing competitive Detroit. I love back in the, when I first started watching hockey, seeing, you know, like Detroit battling different teams and being a powerhouse and whatnot, Datsuk, Zetterberg, all those guys. Like, you know, I want them to be competitive again, but I, I – when did they get the pieces and properly develop them to do this start? Exactly. It's like it's I guess it's it's I don't know. It's I can't you can't give Steve Steve Eisman credit yet because like it's it's his first season as GM. But like Ken Holland did a good job by retooling while still remaining competitive. It's like they've been rhetorically speaking, they've been bad for what three years? Really. And they're already content, content, like competing again. I don't think they're going to contend for play. Like, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year, but they're going to contend for a wild card spot. They're not going to make it, in my opinion, but they're going to contend for a spot. And like, his his mic's not working again, so I'll just move on to the Metropolitan now. Metropolitan Carolina's five zero and zero for ten points. Fun fact: they lead the NHL right now. Washington second with two one and two, so six points. Um. New York Rangers, 2-0-0, four points. Mika Zibanejad, he's got eight points in two games. He's on pace for 328 points right now. Philadelphia is 2-0-0, same four points. Pittsburgh is 2-2-0, four points. New York Islanders are 1-3-0, two points. Columbus, 1-3-0, two points. New Jersey Devils, 0-2-2, two points. My comments are, Carolina's playing wicked good. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna play good, but I like they're not gonna finish first in, in Metro, in my opinion. I think that Pittsburgh actually misses the playoffs this year, and that's not even just because the injuries. Injuries. I think that like even good for long enough. I think that just it's starting to. I think they're just gonna finally start regressing, and that's not not a hate against the Pittsburgh Penguins, but to be good, you can only be good for so long. I think they're gonna finally start slowing down, and I think they're gonna start need. To think about a rebuild, not not ne- they're never going to trade Sidney Crosby away. That's for sure. But soon they're going to have to start trading guys away like Chris Letang, maybe Malkin. But like they're going to start needing to actually rebuild. 
and it's it's inevitable, really. Especially when you trade guys like Daniel Sprong for like a bag of pucks or whatever you trade him for. And like Columbus, I, I'm not surprised they lost key talent. They lost their goalie. They lost some of their forwards. It's 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 insane. Like yeah, and then New Jersey, it's they're new players, new team. So like it's not new team, but like um, new players on a new like on a different team. So like it's it's gonna take a little bit to kind of. Wiggle around, then you're gonna start being better, better again. Right now, the Eastern Conference wild cards are Tampa and Toronto. Central Division: St. Louis is three one zero with seven points. Colorado is three zero and zero with six points. Nashville three one and zero six points. Winnipeg three two and zero six points. Dallas one three and one three points. Chicago zero two and zero yeah zero two and zero zero points. Minnesota zero three and zero. Zero points. Minnesota kind of surprised me, but at the same time, not really. Like, it's... it's. Yeah, not bad. I don't understand why they're still winless. Pardon me? They're not bad. They have some talent. I don't understand why they're, they're, they're still winless. They're not winless. bad at all, but, like, at the same time, like, it's they're an older team. Like, it's... it's No, like... Without trying to offend anybody. The older you get when it comes to hockey... The slower you're going to start playing, the more you're going to regress. It's just a fact. He turned to the Los Angeles Kings. Yeah, basically. And yet- or the Dallas Stars. I still find funny anyone that had Dallas going to the playoffs this year after they lost, you know, some young pieces and got older. I just, I just clown emoji. Your voice cut out there, so I'll have to ask you to repeat that. Uh, so anyone that had Dallas going to the playoffs this year after they just got older, I just have to say clown emoji. Oh, I mean, like, they got Joe Pavelski, for God's sake. Yeah, and they got him pretty much nothing. Literally. <laughs> so he was like, what, three mil a year? Like, that's a steal. No, seven mil a year for three years. Never mind, I got mixed up. Yeah. It's still not bad. That's not bad for Pavelski. He's, he's a really good player. He's going to be playing on the second line, which I don't think he's used to because he's played on the first line in San Jose for a while now. But, like, as I think, I think, they, I think the players mentioned it, he's, gonna, he's going through an adjustment phase because, like, after playing for the same team for, what, 13 years or whatever it was now, he, yeah, it's a different system, good. right? And, like, I just figured to mention it now. I'll, I'll mention it next division. And, like... Essentially, like, yeah, it's 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 tough to go to a new team when you get when you play for the same team for so long. Different systems, different coaches, different players, and you have to build all new chemistry, all that. And then, yeah, and the Minnesota Wilds, it just you have to rebuild. Like, you you have to stop trying to be competitive. It's it's not working. You just not fully. Well, Realistically, can't rebuild unless they find a way to offload the Suter and Parise contracts. They're not even trying. Like, not not even just worry about uh, Parise and Suter. Try to trade other guys. Try to trade um, Jason Zucker. Try to trade um, trade some of some trade Eric Stahl. Trade Meek. Not trade Meek Kuyu. Let him retire. But like some of the guys. Pardon me. No, I don't. They re-signed him. Not list, list. Not this year, but last year. I think his contract is up this year. Oh, all right, all right. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, no good. Deal. pardon me? 
It'll be a deadline deal. Exactly. Right on the needs like a center depth later on. Exactly. Like it's you need to rebuild. It's it's inevitable. You know, like I mentioned for Pittsburgh, I don't know if you heard it or not, but Pittsburgh's gonna need to start thinking about a rebuild soon. Well, yeah, because realistically speaking, let's be honest here, as much as you know, I, I've always preferred Ovechkin to Crosby. I'll disclose that there. But as great as Crosby is, him and Malkin can't single-handedly carry a team while they're in their in their mid-30s. Exactly. I mean, Crosby's only 31, but still. I don't want to say moving forward, they're not going to be able to, like, no. keep having them bail them out, and, and especially with a lot of the bad contracts and a lot of the questionable moves. Yeah. Just blow it up. Get rid of Geno. Get rid of most of your guys. Let Crosby retire a Penguin. And just embrace the rebuild. So that way, when you're rebuilding, you can have that that first ballot Hall of Famer and Sidney Crosby to be there to mentor the younger guys. Exactly. And I'm certain Malkin's going to be another first first ballot Hall of Famer too. Oh yeah, straight up, he will be too. I just you, you realistically, if you're going to trade one, you're going to trade Malkin. You would never get rid of Crosby. Oh, exactly. But like, I don't think they, I don't think they tried either of those pieces. I think you trade everybody else except for Malkin and Crosby. I can see that because then you'll still have your two elite centers at number one and number two to train everyone else. Yeah, but it's not even, not even, not even because of that. It's because Malkin and Crosby have developed such a friendship over the years. At this point, they're basically brothers. Oh, you trade one, you piss off the other. Yeah, and like last last offseason, they tried trading Malkin, and Crosby literally went up to the front office and said, if you trade Malkin, I'm done. I'm done. And that's why Phil Kessel got traded this offseason. That is why, exactly. It benefits me, so I, I'm perfectly okay with that. I love having Phil over here. Are you ready to go to the Pacific Division so I can I can unload on some of my rivals that are trash this year? Yes, let's do it now. Edmonton yeah. leads the division 4-0-0, eight points. James Neal, seven goals. Wow. I look, look. Did I not tell people, especially the offseason over Twitter, that he just he didn't fit in the bottom six of Calgary, and he was going to play exactly. Back. What I've been saying, that's exactly what I've been saying. I've been telling people, he just had a body he didn't fit. And, like, it doesn't help that he have, uh, I mean, Narayan Nugent Hopkins or Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl feeding you the puck. It, it helps. Oh, yeah, it does. It does help have those three guys feeding you pucks. Oh, yeah. Well, like, at the same time, he is a skilled player. He's proven that he's been able to score 40 goals before. Then if any mocking on his line, funny thing. He's He's... He's a good leader, which is what Edmonton needs. They're, yes. They've got good guys, but like you need a guy who can step up and be a leader in the locker room. They have leaders. They have ragtag group of guys to a Stanley Cup final the year of their expansion draft. Pardon me? Like, exactly. He shows that leadership ability, and I think that's probably what the missing piece was. That and, and maybe a couple more defensive pieces, but it seems like they're running fine right now. So let's just oh, let yeah. Edmonton have fun. Because it is fun watching them right now. Oh, yeah. Anaheim's second division. They're 4-1-1, eight points. Calgary's 2-1-1 with five points. Vegas is 2-2-0 with four points. Vancouver's 1-2-0, two points. Arizona's 1-2-0, two points. LA is 1-2-0, two points. San Jose is 1-4-0, two points. As, as a Sens fan, I love seeing San Jose Second last, oh, third last in the NHL, fourth last in the NHL. As a Coyotes fan, and of course, as a Vegas fan, I love seeing San Jose down there. I love seeing LA down there. I, I don't think we're going to be 
alienating too many people that were going to listen to this by saying uh, that San Jose and LA can suck it. Yeah. Like, realistically, I think the Pacific, by the end of the year, goes, like, something like Vegas, Edmonton, and maybe even Arizona, I think. You think Calgary is going to flame out? I think they're going to make wild card. Wild card? Bold prediction. I think... I, I think Arizona makes the wild card. Calgary gets top three in the division, mainly because I think mean, Calgary, they, they, they've had their core together a little longer in terms of it. Where Arizona, they, they still have inconsistencies and a lot of things that I heavily criticize on my YouTube channel. So, yeah. You're going to have to repeat that, though, because your voice just went blank there. All of it, or, or where did it go blank? Your voice cut out there again. So, yeah. Well, I wait for him. I'm going to mention my things. Edmonton, James Neal. Like, last year he scored seven goals in 63 games. This year in, like, four games he has seven goals. Anaheim. I think it's... Okay, you're back. Go ahead. I'm pretty sure Edmonton won the trade. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They for sure won the trade. All right, I was asking what part cut out, so I, I, I know what to repeat. Basically, everything before Arizona. Before Arizona? So, I, it's just Calgary's had their core together longer in terms of while it was clicking. Yeah. So, I, I think that they're going to be more consistent, and Arizona still has a bunch of things that I heavily criticize. So, I still think Arizona makes a wild card. Calgary gets top three in the division. I'm just not sure what spot of the three. That's fair. That's fair. But essentially, the wild cards right now are Vegas and Winnipeg. Ooh, Vegas is a wild card right now? Well, they, they are, are two and two. It makes sense. Yeah. And, like, okay, who do you think leads the NHL in, in, goal, in, in points right now? In points? Uh, my go-to is always either Alexander the Great or Connor McJesus. But I want to say James Neal because of seven goals. No, he le- James Neal leads the NHL in, in goals, seven goals. But McDavid, McDavid leads the NHL in assists, seven assists. Nice. Yep. Points-wise, listen, listen to this. Listen. Right. Points-wise, McDavid is 10. He's right. tied with Patrick Lyon. Oh, yeah, with him just getting that getting that drive that like anyone that watched Winnipeg last year versus this year can tell you he just looks like a different player. Oh, yeah. Like straight up, like, like I, I'm kind of glad as someone who's kind of who's critical of them wanting to re-sign him instead of, you know, re- readdressing that, that defensive situation, but he he's come out with a fire. Oh, yeah. It's even last, though, because, like, last year, in the first month or so, he had, like, 30, like 20 goals in the first month. It's then just, we know what happened after that. It's just, it's, it's just Fortnite. I think Fortnite happened. Wasn't that it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's literally it. Fortnite's the worst thing to ever, like, bless, oh, man. I, I don't play it. Like, I, I just don't like it. But like, yeah, it's insane how how much I how much an off season can change you. I mean, I, I guess having a disappointing season and having pretty unanimously the NHL saying you you kind of suck can light a fire under you. Yeah, and like he's playing for six point five million right now. I think that was a really good contract, to be honest, <laughs> with the fire he's coming out with now. Yeah. Winnipeg won the contract, by the way, if he if he keeps this up. Winnipeg won the contract. At the same time, 
I think it's a bad contract too, and I'll tell you why. All right. Only a two-year contract. Mm-hmm. What happens at the end of the two-year contract? Well, how much is he going to want? Uh, if he keeps playing like this, I'm going to say at least 10 a year. Exactly. They don't have the money for that. Maybe in two years they might when they sacrifice the rest of their defense and and, and do what everyone else does, like San Jose, and then give up all your defense and depth for, like, two two players. Dude, last year – sorry, this year's Winnipeg defense. None of the none of the Winnipeg defense of this year played in the NHL last year. They're all in the AHL or ECHL. You want to run that by me again? Because I thought that one of the guys they acquired what played for, like, New York last year. Oh, yeah, Neil Pinock. Other than that – other than that, everybody else played in the AHL. That's ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> and, like, who was under top pair? Nathan Beaulieu, I think, is under top pair. Top pair. Oof. Nathan freaking Beaulieu. Like, I love Nathan Beaulieu. For, like, I love him. But, he's good, but he, he's more of, like, a middle to bottom pairing defense. Yeah, he's, a, he's a top six guy at best. Maybe a seventh guy at worst. Easily, easily. Like it's, it's, it's sad. Like, I really wish, I really hope Bufflin comes back. I, I don't because then they would have to terminate a contract. I think he would put him over the edge. Like the only reason they were allowed to sign Line A and Connor was because the LTIR. No, no, still good. They're still good. Still good. I think I'm pretty sure they are. I heard from multiple sources that that was the only reason that they had the the room to sign them, unless it was a uh, they both those guys just signed for less than what everyone was projecting they were going to sign for. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. they signed for less. Everybody was everybody was thinking Liney would was going to sign for eleven million. That's what I was thinking, and I was like, why don't you use that to get two top four defensemen? Exactly. Like they need defense, like offense. They've got one of the better offense in the league, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. defense, it's just it's it's worse than Ottawa's defense. It's kind of the the Toronto problem for the last couple of years, where yeah, they have Jake Muzzin on like the third pair. I think it is. No, he's on the second pair actually. No, yeah, he is on the he is on the third pair. They got okay. Guess how much ice time Cody Cece's playing. Uh, he should. My knowledge, he should be on the bottom pair, so I'd assume the top pair is Morgan Riley. He's on the Cody season on the top pair, yeah. Oh no, why Mike Bobcock? Why? Yeah, is not terrible, but no, he's top, terrible. Top line, uh, look, look, I want to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. All right, he's got awful. I've watched him for years and years and years, he can't do a damn thing right. Can he at least, like, pass the puck? No. Can he at least, like, skate up and down the ice? Barely. So, he's a good skater. That's <laughs> all he's got. All I can do is skate. The thing of Cody Cece is, when he, was in, when he was in the OHL, he was an offensive defenseman. He was regarded to be the next Eric Carlson, basically. But, Ottawa decided they didn't want another Eric Carlson. They wanted... Mark Edward Vlasic. They wanted a Ryan Suter. They wanted to turn Cody Cece from an offensive dynamo into a guy that doesn't shoot the puck, doesn't pass the puck. All he does, they turn him from a really good offensive defenseman to a mediocre 
stay-at-home defenseman. So they tried to turn him into Nick Jalmerson and ended up turning him into a pylon. Basically. That's sad. I love Brian Murray to death, but I blame Brian Murray for that. I mean, we've seen with multiple players, uh, I, I think – I think it's fair to say Peter Mueller that if you don't develop them right, you just kind of ruin them. Yeah, exactly. It goes to show that you can't you can't draft a guy to be a completely different player. So yes, you can draft a guy to fix him, make him better, but you can't change his hundred percent game. You can do some. But, again, that doesn't happen very often. Still, if a guy has been shooting pucks, passing pucks, creating plays his entire life, is is asked to do the exact opposite, nine times out of ten, he will be able to. That's not wrong. I'm not going to refute that. I I think it's more so like a football thing where people will transition positions and play well than hockey. Yeah, it's like – so, like, a center can play wing, but a wing can't play center. Yeah, center is a whole different position. It's way more responsibility. You gotta, yeah. You're essentially also calling plays, I guess, is the best way to, yeah. to put it. Like, telling guys where you want them on the ice or who to catch up on or if you're going to pick someone up, so they got to pick someone else up. You're the yeah. quarterback of the line, essentially. Essentially. Like, I can tell you that. I play hockey this year. I'm a winger. I asked my buddy if I could play center for just a shift. It is such a different game. You're, you're responsible for not only the play calling, but also more defense than any winger's ever going to be asked to pick up. Yeah. And you're responsible for producing some offense, getting you out of the zone, establishing puck possession. There's a lot that goes into being a center. Yeah. It's not just playing in the middle lanes. It's not just playing from the sidelines to the middle lanes. That's what people think it is. But playing center is a complete different ball, ball game than playing winger. It's kind of like saying that that playing that, that a running back can play receiver very easily. It's two different positions that have two different mindsets and responsibilities to them. Mm-hmm. Like, that is why centers are usually regarded as the best players in the NHL. Yeah, why do you think they get paid the most? Why do you think yeah. whenever you, you break down depth charts and you put your centers, you know, where they're supposed to be? You're going to see the number one center gets paid X amount, and the second line center gets paid X amount, which is usually equivalent to or a little bit more than the first line wingers, and then it keeps going like that. Yeah. Very valuable position. Very underrated for, like, the actual hockey fan. Yeah. And, like, now let's go on a little bit of some drama or news, I guess. Ooh, drama. Yeah. Drew Doughty. Oh, I saw this. Oh, just do it, do it to him, boy. Which one? Uh, where he was, uh, he was. Tra- was it Vancouver? He was trash talking that they shouldn't be able to beat us, or yeah. we shouldn't lose to a team oh. like that. Yeah, <laughs> his first piece of drama this year. We all know that Matthew Chuck and Drew Doughty hate each other. We know that. But Drew Doughty went as far to say is, we all know who is a better player, referring to himself. I'm sorry, but I'm sorry, Drew Doughty, but you're not worth $11 million. You're barely even worth 7 For the last couple of years, you've been declining every single year. The only reason why you won the Norris Trophy that one time 
against Eric Carlson, if I might add. I'm still mad about that. The only reason why you got the Norris that year is because you never got it before. That's literally it. I was so mad when Eric Carlson lost to um, Drew Doughty that year. That year, Eric Carlson was the best defenseman in the NHL. Drew Doughty, I'm sorry, but you're barely even a top four defenseman anymore. You've gotten so bad over the years. You're a defensive liability. You're an offensive liability. You can't do anything anymore. You're a shell of your former self. So please take those comments and shove them somewhere else. Because I'm sorry, but Matthew Chuck has more impact on a game than you do. Matthew Chuck is more of a flashier player than you are. Matthew Chuck has a, has a better temperament than you do. Anybody, anybody who puts themselves, says he's better than somewhere else, is trash. And then, there is the, we should not, the Vancouver should not be beating a team like ours, quote. I'm sorry, but you had 51 losses last year. No. I learned the standings. Vancouver has more, has the same, you and Vancouver have actually the same record right now. But like, no. Vancouver's a better team than LA any day of the week this year. Same thing as last year. I rest my case on that one. It's getting me pissed off. If you want to keep talking about it when you come back, go right ahead. But in other words, I'm going to switch to my next segment. If I were in charge. If I were in charge, it's basically me. If I were the general manager or the head coach of the Otis Are you back? I'm still like, I, I was trying to talk. I, it... Yeah, I know your mic wasn't working. So I'll go back to you. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, I heard what you said. And I was like, uh, essentially, Vancouver would win in a seven-game series without a doubt. I think LA maybe gets one game because of their grindy style at a seven-game series. It's, yeah. They're literally talking as if they were in a bottom two team last year. Uh, they just need to shut up. Anyone on the Kings can't claim to be better than anyone else. No, they can't. And did you hear my comments about the Mahaffey Kachuk incident? Uh, yeah, where he's just he's in there trying to what he says like he's a he knows who's a better player is and Matthew Kachuk not only is is finally hitting his stride in terms of him being completely elite. So that's just that's factually incorrect. But the fact that he's going to have a higher impact, like you pointed out, on a team than Drew Doughty will. And Doughty's only usefulness now is his slap shot from the point. Basically. That's, that's about it. And, and he's getting paid $11 million. And, and it's, it's because of the Kings that this league is going to go downhill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every big contract is why this, this league is going to fold. Yeah. It's just it's it's ridiculous. Is that all for is that all for that or can I go to the next segment? Yeah, that's all I have for that. I just wanted to I just wanted to laugh at Drew Doughty a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So my lines for the auto centers, I would go as first line, Brady Kachuk, Colin White, Flash Blav, and Mesnikov. I think Mesnikov is a good playmaker for Kachuk and White to play with. And on the second line, I have kind of an alternating thing. On the odd game, I want Abramov, Abramov, and I want Tyler Ennis to alternate on the first line. On the second line, then goes Tierney and Duclair. Ennis is not a top six player. No, he's a depth player that can play up and down the lineup 
if you need him to. But Abramov is a prospect. You want to give him as you want to give him as many shots as you can to make an impact. But at the same time, you don't want to overwhelm him. So I'd say give him maybe two games and then set him for one. Then let Ennis play that game in that spot. Duke Clary's getting better as he's, he's gonna he's gonna be good this year. He he's, he basically scored a lot twenty goals last year, and he's finally hitting his strides. On the third line, I had the same idea for for the alternating Balsters and Bodker. Bodker's probably gonna get traded. We're all being if we're all being real here, he's gonna get traded. But for now, I want an alternative Balster, so Balsters does not have too much of a workload. Then I want Pajot and Connor Brown on the on there. On the fourth line, basically, Scott, Sabarin, and Artem Anisimov, and Bobby Ryan. Artem Anisimov, like, I liked the trade at the time. But looking at it now, Artem Anisimov does not have a spot in the Ottawa Senators. He's ideally, at best, a middle six center. Uh, ideal third line center who can play second line every now and then if you need him to. I'm sorry, but Artem Nisimov is not a fourth-line center. And Pajot is not a fourth-line center either. So I'd rather have the younger guy who means more to the team than Artem Nisimov. So I think Artem Nisimov is eventually going to get traded. But for now, I have him on the fourth line. Defensive, defensively, I kind of have it the same way. Chabotin Zaitsev, Hainsey and Brandstrom, and Borvietin Demelo. Same pairs as it is right now. And speaking, if I were GM, what I would do is I would trade out trade out uh, Mikhail Bodker and Artem Nisimov. What I would do is, yeah, and then I would play Logan Brown at the fourth line center, alternate him with Pajot as Brown gets better. One game have Pajot of third line, one game have him fourth line, vice versa with Brown, you know? That's what I would do. And as a mock trade, it's I didn't spend too much time on this. Like, it's... Probably a little much, but I would send Bodker to Colorado because Colorado, they have good centers, but not necessarily the best wingers. They have a good first line wing, wings, but on the second line is when they kind of drop off. So he would be an ideal, maybe second liner for Colorado with Nazem Kadri there. You know, so I think that'd be a good thing there. And I would like ask for maybe even a third or a second round pick. Nothing, nothing is insane. Just a draft pick, you know? And that's where I have it there for that. Your turn. for You You can take over for your Arizona Coyotes. Um, but first, I'd like to ask you, why do you cheer for the Arizona Coyotes? And what is your what is your story to how you started cheering for hockey in the first place? All right. First, I want to make sure my mic is working. Is my mic working? Yep. So, uh, sorry about all the background noise. My two dogs are stepping on each other and whatever so back around 2006 uh, I my dad bought me a couple of video games NHL hit 2003 and NHL 06 and started talking about the coyotes because he cheered for them and whatnot and I watched him casually play the video games kind of got me attached then I got to go to a couple of games and it really you know the 06 07 season the decade in the desert year where we were just terrible the last the last game of the year April 8th on my birthday I think it was my 11th or 12th I don't know it's been, it's been like 12 years so I'll, I'll I'll just say 11th as a placeholder. And I got to meet Shane Doan after the game. And as the Coyotes actually won, it was a really fun day. And that kind of, like, established me really being a fan of this team. And then my dad started working at the arena. And I started going to every game and getting some tickets. And just th- this game and this team was kind of 
took over my life essentially all the way up until I was about a senior in high school. I respect that. I like that story a lot. It's a good story. <laughs> nice. All right. And then all those kind of, I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep it under 10 minutes. I'll just ramble about the coyotes for a little bit. Uh, the only thing I really don't like about their, their lines that they kept in Christian Fisher, as opposed to Lawson Krause, I think Krause was just a better, a better forward as a whole. But then again, I, like I, I noted in my coyotes report for the Vegas game, Fisher looked really good in that game. It's only one game out of three. He's looked good in so far, but I will give credit where credit's due. That's what critics do. We criticize when things are bad, and we give praise when things are good. And for the most part, I'm loving all the lines. I like how they finally put Hayton in the lineup, and they have been playing with Debo because Dvorak didn't look like he existed for the first two games. And putting him with Schmaltz and Hayden kind of invigorated that, that really nice play by Hayden over to Dvorak and Dvorak to Schmaltz. That was just – Probably one of the nicest goals I've seen in the past 10 years. That, that, was, that was some good stuff. That really was. And, you know, I like how things are starting to mesh. I don't like how the first line seemed to kind of wither a bit in that last game against Vegas because that was a game that, in my opinion, was more of a you need to step up kind of a thing because they were playing really well the first two games. Of course, getting the first goal of the season from Stepan, where Keller was over to Kessel. Kessel to Stepan, great play. But since then, they, they've just been generating some opportunities, some shots, but not looking – as advertised, I want to see them kind of start to mesh a little bit more in terms of generating more goal-scoring opportunities. I love most of the defensive pairings. Uh, even someone like Golagoski, who I, I couldn't stand last year, is just playing really well right now. Hmm. This defense, the one thing Coach Tockett's always done well, and I've always praised him for this, even though I'm not his biggest fan, is his defensive schemes. And he will always you – know, I'm, I'm not going to worry if there's a breakaway or something because your defense is already so good – that the goaltender is not going to have to face like 35 shots by the end of the game. So one or two breakaways isn't going to kill you, something like that. And that's not even what happens. I, I haven't even seen him giving up like a pure breakaway yet this season. But it might have happened. I just might have forgot about it. Just being fair. And, of course, my boy, my dude, Connor Garland, my elite top six forward is the leading goal scorer with two after that fantastic two-goal performance, like I mentioned earlier. And, uh, and, and Connor, please call me. I want you to return my calls. It's it's getting a little sad. Oh, and then also Keller has two assists. I want to put that out there too. He's he's producing. He hasn't looked as good as I'd like, but he's doing little things. And I, I just want to give some praise to that, that he's playing a little more defense. He's applying a little more pressure. He's passing a little smarter. And even if it is just barely better than last season, I'll take it because I genuinely want the kid to be as advertised. I want If he's here for the next eight years, I want him to be that leading winger, and I want him to kind of lead us into the playoffs and have a couple of good runs with him. Yeah, so I'll cut you off there. I know yeah, I, mean, I know. last year you and I had a debate about Clayton Keller. Do you want to tell us your opinion on Clayton Keller as a player? Give yours first. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be real. I don't watch Arizona as much as I should. This year, I don't have any time at all to watch many hockey games. I can barely even watch Sens games if I'm lucky. But, like, I, from what I've been told, I like Clayton Keller. I do like him. But, like, he's a young guy who could be better. You know, he's could be better, you know? That's my opinion on him. My opinion as someone who has been watching him all last year and, and just this year in the training camp and all that, I don't know if you watch basketball, but he's just Devin Booker. He is just a good player that fits one very specific role 
that because Arizona sports fans aren't we, – we never have high standards. Like, we, we only have one major four championship in this state, and that's the Arizona Diamondbacks. And every other small championship we get, no one seems to care about. Um, Arizona Rattlers, by the way. Had to give a little plug. But um, he's just good. He's talented. He can be elite. He can take that next step. But I feel like he's getting too many excuses for him. All last year, it was turning pucks over, forcing bad passes, missing empty nets, not playing any defense. And look, my wingers, I always give benefit of the doubt when it comes to wingers playing defense because that's not their job. Just, you know, put a little bit of pressure, get a stick somewhere, you know, just to try to do something. But it's mainly the center and your two and your two defensemen. But just the fact that he literally was a liability on both ends of the ice for so much of last year and was still the leading scorer frustrated me because then all everyone that you know would see my opinions on it would say, "Oh, you're wrong." And without Clayton Keller, the Coyotes would be nothing. Or without Clayton Keller, this or that, Clayton Keller's a leading scorer. I'm like, yeah, but half the team is spending at least 20 games on IR. I I, I would hope that the one guy who played all 82 games would lead the team. You know? Yeah. And it's just. I desperately want this kid to finally be what we've been looking for, what Kyle Turris wasn't here, what Peter Mueller wasn't here, what guys like Enver Leeson and Mikel Bodker couldn't be. Because I want that star top six guy that can put the puck in the net and set up at least you know, 20, you know, 20 to 40 assists a season. That's all I want. And it just he, – he's just too much of a liability on the other ends of the ice. I want him to have an overall game. I don't need you to score 82 points. Just have a good – have a good overall game and score 60 or so. I respect that. I really do. And you said something that kind of intrigued me here. Something like about Kyle Turris. Do you want to repeat that? And yeah, more on what, it? what Kyle Turris couldn't be here. What he just, he was never, we wanted him to be a, a, at least top two center. And he just never developed into that as a coyote. It was when, only when after he left, he started playing better and kind of established himself more. And especially in like Ottawa where he was actually a heavily valued part of the team. Yeah, he was their first-line center after Gene Spetsworth. And I'm sorry, but I'd, uh, I'd prefer to have uh, Kyle Turris over Derek. I mean, I would too, because Kyle Turris is better than, than Broussard, in my opinion. Did, did we cut out? want Otter to find a way to bring him back because he'd be a perfect, perfect first-line center for the rebuild. And once Colin, Colin White fills his um, potential, have Carl Turris as a second-line center. That would be perfect. Now, like, when we go, when we did that Matt Duchesne trade, sure, it was nice bringing Matt Duchesne, but, like, I would have rather had given up Derek Broussard than Kyle Turris. Yeah, I can see that. Like, doesn't Turris not fit in in Nashville? No. In the first year, he was amazing in Nashville, but he hasn't really fit in since. I think, like, yes, Broussard offensively was a little better than Cal Turris. But overall, Cal Turris is, was and still is a better player than, than Derek Broussard. Cal Turris is still amazing. He still is. He's just not fitting in. And, I and that happens. You get a guy in a system that doesn't fit him. And even though he has all the skill and potential, he just doesn't live up. Yeah. He's going to get traded from here, from Newton, Nashville. It's just, it's just, it's a wait. It's going to happen. I'm surprised they didn't trade him out instead of P.K. Subban. Because it would have made more sense when you're trying to acquire Duchesne, a center, 
to trade away a center instead of your power play quarterback. Yeah, but I mean, I get that, that Subban's never been an elite defenseman or anything, but bad. Especially for you know the offensive upside, his defensive his defensive side isn't bad. Yeah, I agree. But like, the reason why they didn't trade Kyle Turris because he couldn't find a suitor. As of right now, Kyle Turris's value in the league is so low. Uh, like right now, he's basically he's right now he's basically like what he's looked at right now by the NHL is another Louis Erickson, just still somewhat capable of playing in the NHL, but he's just, he hasn't fit in at all. And I feel so bad for him because he's such, I've hung out with the guy a bunch of times in person. He's such a nice guy. I've been to his house. He's, he's easily the nicest guy I've ever met. And it, it sucks to see that he's not having the best time in Nashville. But yeah, so that's all I really got on, on the Coyotes is they, they need to keep scoring. Elite defense, great goaltending. Antti Ranja plays his first game. And this is going up tomorrow, so it would be tonight. Yeah. He, he's, playing, he's playing his first game. And look, I, I'm just going to let myself be cynical because I, I'm kind of I'm tired of the Coyotes, you know, flip-flopping fans when it comes to Antti Ranja where I criticized him last year. I get told I'm wrong. He gets injured multiple times and, and only plays like, what, less than 20 games or something like that. And then he's injured to start this season still, and, and then I'm still wrong, but Auntie Ranta's an in- injury-prone liability, but I'm still wrong. No, no screw that. Coyotes fans I need to actually learn hockey and accept facts. I'm so glad it's against Colorado because I want to see him give up, like, six goals. I want to see him just, like, his first game back get torched so that way people can't be like, oh, well, you know, what's your excuse now? Is his first game back? Well, it, it, he, he still needs to play better. Yeah. He's been and rehabbing since at least March. Yeah. They were posting videos of it last year on Twitter, showing him skating around. If he's still not NHL ready at that point, what are you paying four point two five million a year for? Yeah. See, in my opinion, I think that um, I think that he's a good goaltender. He's just he's not what he's not as good as people say he is, and he is very, very injury prone. And like I hate to say it, but he's he's seems to be a nice guy and. He can be really good. He just hasn't had the chance to, you know, because he gets injured all the time. Yeah, and so he has all the skill in the world, but he works best as a backup. Exactly. Rely on him. He, I, I call it, you know, the Rick DiPietro glass knee syndrome, where you're just too fragile to play that many games. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I love Aniranta. He's amazing goaltender. Just it's. He's, he's good. Not- I just hate his contract. That's right. it. That's the only reason I'm this critical is because that contract was bad. And he, they signed him to a three-year extension after a year where he he played his career high of 47 games and spent half the year on, on, on IR, essentially. Yeah. yeah. It was just a bad contract. I kind of find it funny how ex-Ranger backups, their first year as a starter, it's really, really good. But in that they're either injured or trash. Cam Talbot. <laughs> Can't tell, but <laughs> just had to throw it out there. I mean, I, I respect it. I, <laughs> I respect it. Yeah, and I love Cam Talbot. Don't get me wrong; he's just—he's not as good as you as you can. He's not as good as he can be. I think it's the Henrik Lundqvist effect, where he—he'll he, teach you just enough to be on your own for a year, but he doesn't teach you enough to keep it. It's not even that. It's just that it's when you're playing 
as the backup to Henrik Lundqvist, and you have a chance to be a starter, you want to be as good as Lundqvist, if not better. So it kind of motivates you. But you know, you, people can only ever see you use that energy for one year. It's like Andrew Hammond, where he was a friggin' legendary for that one year. 20-0-1 was his record, literally. It's just, he can't ever seem, you know, he can't seem replicated after that. Because you can't top Hank. You can't. You're cutting out, bud. Pardon me? You were cutting out. So basically, you can use your energy to top Hank. You just can't be better than Hank. Exactly. Yeah. And on that note, I think it's a good time to end today's podcast. We've been on for basically an hour and a hour, an hour and fifteen minutes. I think it's good, good length for the first episode. Yeah, at, at least an hour. I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie, I, I wasn't sure of of your format, so I thought it was gonna be like a thirty minute thing. But that's completely fine. No, I'm I'm good at uh I'm good at elongating things, I guess. Or elong is that even a word? Yeah, to elongate, like, you know, if you ever watched The Flash Season 3, you got the elongated man. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I'm, I'm really good at, like, turning what seems to be nothing into this whole shebang, you know? I got you. I mean, then again, for the Coyotes versus Boston Report, the one nothing final where my opinions were literally, the Coyotes played okay, but they needed to score, and I don't care if... If, you know, they ran into a hot goaltender, you still need to find a way to score for your playoff team. I turned that three minutes of content into, like, seven. Yeah. That's honestly what you have to do sometimes. Anyways, that's what I'm going to call it for this episode. So just remember, you can plug yourself again once, Matt, if you want. Matthew Jacobson on YouTube, at MJacobsonAZ on Twitter, and also right for the Puck Authority. Nice. Anyways, that's where you can find Matt. Where you can find me is at... Grunlich Yogs or at some sense on Twitter and Grunlich Yogs on YouTube. And obviously talking some sense podcast on uh, Spotify, Google podcasts, breaker, and a bunch of other things. That is it for today. Thank you very much. No problem. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm going to go now. Yep. All right. See you guys. Have a good week.